Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. It's an international break edition, and God, like I normally hate international breaks, but international breaks during a global pandemic when most of Europe is experiencing a second wave, it just seems like a terrible, terrible idea. So not only do you have to think about players getting injured, but also players getting COVID, so I've got a lot to bitch and moan about. Uh, it is, you know, a weekend, of course, off for Serie A due to the international break. So we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming match days. You guys know I'm all in with Inter, and I want to see them start a winning streak. Jerry is all in with Lazio. Jerry Mancini joins me. I'm Alex Dono. And, and Jerry, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate, and we'll get to all this stuff, but that so many of the Lazio headlines over the past week are negative stuff because actually on the pitch, I think that what you guys have been doing with such a shorthanded squad recently is nothing short of heroic. I mean, are you going to build a statue for your guy, Caicedo, who just comes alive after the 90th minute in every game? I mean, you guys, you know, took a couple points from Juventus last time around, getting the equalizer in stoppage time. So, you know, even though Lazio is the subject of what people are trying to call a scandal with the COVID testing stuff, you know, you've got this uh, this Luis Alberto social media situation that I want to talk about. But, you know, on the pitch, I know even though, you know, Lazio isn't, you know, producing as many victories as you would like to salvage some of these draws like that Juventus game with such a shorthanded squad. I'm really impressed by it, Jerry. Absolutely. And I think the one thing that has been the difference maker between last year and this year I'll, I'll say and even recent seasons is the depth of the squad and a lot of people said that Lazio didn't spend enough money they didn't acquire the right players and everybody wants that flashy Christian Eriksen that has that goes to Inter that Zlatan Ibrahimovic that goes to Milan that uh well I won't say Ronaldo but maybe like a Dybala that's at Juventus I'm being more realistic here with Lazio and we picked up Vedat Marici, and I think a lot of people have been harping on him a little, in my opinion, a little bit too harsh. The guy had COVID-19, mm-hmm. came back from an injury. Um, he didn't have the, the the summer to train with his team to understand how his team plays. Even he said after his game with Kosovo on the international break, he scored a penalty, uh, penalty shot, and he said, give me time and I will be the player that I was when I played for Fenerbahce. Mohamed Fadiz, he's I think he's what like 21 or 22. The guy's young. He's still a young player that has so much potential to, to build around. I understand that Lazio fans want now results, but Lazio's never been a team that has been now. And I think we're getting ahead of ourselves after just qualifying for Champions League after what 13 years. I think it's a big achievement, but we need to take a step back and remember what Lazio have always been, and it's always been a fifth or sixth place team who always consistently fails to, to, to do that extra step for fourth. And being able to hold the players that we've had in recent seasons, like Luis Alberto, Malinkovic Savage, Chino Immobile. Um, you can even go with Leva as well. I won't say a Cherby because he just came, I believe, a, a season or two now. So he, he arrived late. But overall, and then we have Akpa Akpro who came from Salentana, who has really, I think, has been maybe one of our best acquisitions in the summer. Oh, transfer been great. And you got Pereira, and and credit to Joe from Fort Napoli, and he gave me a shout out. I appreciate what he mentioned on the pod was that 
five quality starters, sorry, five quality players came off the bench and outmatched Juventus's five off the bench. And I don't remember the last time Lazio had, had the upper hand of calling off calling players off the bench. Simone Inzaghi even praised that Iglitare and Lotito delivered the players that he wanted. That's not even to enter to, to, to enter in the phase of Andreas Pereira, who also arrived late and still is adjusting to his team and taking time. And we know the type of player he can be for this kind of Lazio side that where he can be more creative, he can be that Luis Alberto backup. So there's a little and then you got Wesley Hoot that he got shit on before he even touched the pitch. <laughs> I, I get that his first stint maybe wasn't as good, but and I know his his time at Southampton wasn't great. Maybe the English league is too fast for him compared to the Serie A. But I think there's a lot of things that are in place here. You got Caicedo, who was supposed to be sold in the summer. Nzagi didn't want to sell him. There's a reason why Nzagi kept him, and, and we're seeing the the impact he can make coming off the bench. So a lot of good pieces here, and and a, and a good quality backup to Trascosha, which I think Rena sometimes is better than Strakosha. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. I, I just like the way he controls the defense, the way he he communicates to the defense, and and what they're supposed to do. So, and that's something that Strakosha sometimes I feel is missing in his game, where he doesn't communicate as well. He's not as vocal. He's not as loud. And if I, I think if that the part of the game he can really improve on, it can really help him. So before we get into some questions, we opened it up today for Twitter questions. And you know, especially we want to mix it up a little bit for an international break episode, give the people a chance to kind of pick our brains a little bit, get our opinions on some of the matters in Serie A. I, I do have a few words, Jerry, and I want to hear your opinion as well on the current state of Inter. Uh, of course, you've got people speculating about Conte out, this and that. There are reports that keep surfacing that... Max Allegri is basically sitting back waiting for the Inter job to come open. So much shit gets thrown against the wall, though, by the Italian media. You really don't know what to believe and what not to believe. And with reports like that, I tend not to believe it because let's not forget that during the summer, um, you know, after the Europa League final that Inter lost to Sevilla, everyone thought that the outcome of the big meeting that Conte had with Inter management all the media were saying, oh, Conte's going to resign, Allegri's going to come in, and it ended up being complete BS at that point, right? And so we talked about this a little bit in our last episode, and I I crunched a few of the numbers, right, on on inter-situation. Like before, Jerry, before I officially join the Conte out crowd, um, I need to see at least how the next three or four match days go in Serie A, okay? Now, Inter coming up, they have really crucial games after the international break, and I'm not even going to talk about their upcoming Champions League games because I kind of consider that a different conversation because I think the primary goal for Inter, at least coming into this season, was Scudetto, right? They're currently seventh place, but, you know, very early on in the year. You know, Inter have Torino at home. That's the first game back next Sunday after the international break. Sassuolo away, and then Bologna at home over the next three. Now, I I want to see if they can put together a winning streak. Now, overall, if you include all competitions, Inter has just one win in their past eight match days. It's not good enough. It's been a disappointment. But I have a little bit of optimism 
okay, that they can string together a winning streak. Now, if they don't, if they, you know, come away, let's say, just winning one of their next three or four Serie A games or taking four points out of their next three, I'm going to start to inch closer to the Conte out crowd. But the reason why I look now to these next several match days, um, it looks like Inter finally are going to have their best three-man back line available and healthy at the same time, right? When you talk about Scriniar, De Vrij, and Bastoni, because for so much this year, they've had to use D'Ambrosio as a right center back. They've had to use Kolarov, who's an absolute embarrassment, as left center back. It, it seems like they have their best back three healthy. Hopefully it stays that way. You know, their attack is going to be whole again. Lukaku back from injury. He played a little bit, uh, you know, last week, but he, you know, wasn't really right yet. Um, Lautaro is healthy and he's actually hitting his form now. And we know that the success of Conte's formation really counts on the the two strikers. And it's so Lukaku focused, especially. But Lukaku and Lautaro feeding off each other is so important for Conte ball. Um, also, in recent matches, Jerry, so the, some of the numbers that I've been crunching, you know, the ratio for Inter, and I'm not going to say that all of this is bad luck, okay, because you make your own luck and they have wasted a lot of chances. But if I look at the ratio of chances created to goals scored, it's been really poor. And I think these numbers are going to even out at least a little bit, right? And I know, yeah, they haven't been clinical enough, but against Atalanta last week in the 1-1 draw, Inter had 10 shot attempts, three on goal, only scored one. Against Padma, 25 shot attempts, nine on target, only scored two goals. Yeah, I go back to one of their recent Champions League games, a nil-nil against Shakhtar, 12 shot attempts, four on target, no goals. Against Milan in the derby that they lost two to one, 18 shot attempts, six on target, only one goal in that game. So I think if Inter keep creating chances at the rate they're creating chances, statistically, uh, I think more goals and wins should come. Now, still, there are problems, Jerry, and I think the primary problem uh, in Inter's attack, and I'm hoping they can settle down a little bit if Lukaku and Lautaro stay healthy, Lautaro keeps up his form. I think they're trying to create too many chances from the wings with crosses, and mm -hmm. it gets a little bit predictable. I don't think they're creating enough centrally. And then, you know, defensively, I talked about how important it is to have, you know, their best back three together with Skriniar, De Vrij, and Bastoni, but... I got to say this, and I haven't ripped this guy enough on this pod. Um, Handanovic is having a really poor season. I mean, Handanovic hasn't made really any, maybe one all year, like extraordinary saves this season. Like he he's making the routine saves, but he's not making anything out of the ordinary. And I, I think that's another thing that's really hurt Inter's back line is that, yeah, you'll have guys like Kolarov getting exposed when he plays at left center back. But if your goalkeeper is, you know, continually just rooted to his line and not moving and not making saves that he could have been making in previous years, it's really going to hurt. So, I mean, all this to say, I don't want to sound like the inter-apologist who is guaranteeing that, you know, they're going to end up winning a Scudetto or anything like that. I just think that seven match days in, being in seventh place, um, with all the players you've been missing. And by the way, international breaks suck so badly because now there's an inconclusive COVID test for Gagliardini. And it's not that I love Gagliardini, but, you know, anytime the midfield is down bodies, weird things happen. Brozovic, Marcelo Brozovic, had a positive COVID test while with Croatia. So he becomes the eighth player on Inter to have a positive COVID test. He's surely going to miss some time for that. So they've had these COVID issues. But I think what I'm saying here, Jerry, is that 
seven match days in. They've had poor form and poor results, but I'm not going to call it a crisis yet because I think they have been a little bit unlucky. Uh, I think that they've wasted too many chances. Like how many times have I seen a guy like Hakimi, who's been okay, but not great so far. He's had two or three free headers that he hasn't scored on when he really should have. If some of those chances start falling, I think they're going to go on a winning streak. And what looks like a crisis to some seven games in, I think it's going to even out a bit after this point. What do you think? I wouldn't fire Conte at all, first off, in the whole year. I don't care how bad things get. You're going to fire him. You're going to have wages stuck on on Conte at, what, 12, 13 million. You're still paying off Spalletti for the rest of the year. I think it's his final year of his contract. Yeah. And, you're, and then you're going to go buy another manager temporarily and hope that Allegri comes in the summer for, for wages you're going to be going in, in a matter of a year. Like, yeah. That's insane, man. I don't see him going. I don't think the issue is Conte. First off, I think his attitude has been much better this year. I don't know what the meeting was in the summer. What kept him? With I, the- I have a theory. My theory was they probably told Conte, "If you stop whining and complaining, we'll get you Arturo Vidal." <laughs> I think that's I don't probably know. what they told him. I, he hasn't complained as much as he did last year. He hasn't been making like rants, and 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 I know it's not Conte, but guess what? It, it doesn't need to be Conte. It just needs to be polished, and I think that attitude side of his game of his managerial game is has kind of been better this year now here's an example milan i think that six or seven guys missing from covid how is that conte's fault i'm sorry yeah okay go with the guys you have you have the depth i get that man but you you got six guys out that game then the next game you have four different guys out because of injury and, and covid and he's been in the same situation as inzaghi hasn't been in where he has not been able to have a full, healthy roster yet. He hasn't been able to, to, to get consistency out of his lineup. That's huge. Every game there's a new player coming in. There's a new change. And I understand the, the one thing, I think the only downfall to him is that he has been, he's very stubborn to get out of the 3-5-2. Using yeah. a guy like Polarov and Darmiani, I think a back four would be better. They'll probably be suited better for a back four, and you kind of adjust in the midfield. Now, I'm not a... I'm not a freaking tactic expert formation of who you put up top three. And like, I don't memorize people's positions and all that. So I I wouldn't want to like make myself look like an idiot going that far. But I think that here's an example. I I like Perisic. I think he, he provided something very well in his Champions League match against Real Madrid. But that was a one-off. I still Mm -hmm. wouldn't use Perisic up there. I don't know why you brought Pinamonte back on loan. He brought him back from loan. He was with Genoa. He got a lot of good playing time. I think that's someone who should be playing up top with uh, Lukaku. I think that he's a very physical player. He can score. And he's a true number nine. Perisic is not a true number nine. You got to compliment him with Lukaku. Maybe you put Lukaku more forward. You put Pinomonte maybe more into the, like, more centrally. And his hold-up play, where he's very physical, can maybe compliment on, uh, on Lukaku. Now, I think this team has a lot of great players that they can turn thing, change things around. And, and, and I have people telling me that I had a guy, I just wrote a, an article recently, I just submitted online today about, about a, uh, Icardi and how Lukaku has been an upgrade over Icardi. That was Absolutely. a great article, by the way. I enjoyed that. Oh, thank you. 
and and I I still believe that it's not that I'm I'm harping on Acardi. I think he his time was well served with with Inter. If it wasn't for his douchebag wife that uh, had to like really ruin his name with Inter and, and ruin his time and just like the whole circus dilemma, I think that he'd still be a, a good asset and. I would I I would contemplate maybe having a cardi over Lataro Martinez up front with 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 Lukaku. I think the two probably would do even better because you got someone who can finish that poacher that that kind of guy who's clinical and, and can finish in the final third. And Lataro Martinez is kind of not showing that right now. I know he's he scored recently, but his inconsistency has really hurt him. But not to drift off. I just think that Lukaku just overall has been better. And Icardi has found this place with PSG and, and is doing really well there. And I think that a change of scenery for both players was needed. Yeah. You got Lukaku, who was being buried in, in in Manchester United. And like he played a string of games, didn't play a string of games. And you got Icardi, who was just flushed out of the lineup, went to PSG, scored, I think, almost 20 goals last year. So... And to go to another thing with Conte, he's got the best out of like so many players. Barella this year, uh, Stefano Sensi, when he's healthy, is a good player. And supposedly, like, supposedly he's healthy and he's going to be in the squad for Torino. God, if that guy can stay healthy for more than three consecutive games and can actually get into a rhythm, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, and because for the first six games of the season last year. He was one of the best players in Serie A for those six games, right? I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to over hype it and oversell it, but I think it's fair to say that he was one of the best players in Serie A for six games last year. And then when he suffered that injury in the Juventus game last fall, was never the same after that. Could not stay consistently in the lineup. You know, any time he'd play for like two games and you thought, oh, he's getting his rhythm back a little bit, would get hurt. I mean, I, I know that, that Conte really liked him and, and really trusted him. He just he keeps having these muscular injuries since that time. Um, another thing, um, I'm really going to uh, be watching for the next month or so how much playing time Christian Eriksen gets, you know, especially now with Brozovic. Uh, he's, I, I would assume, going to miss at least one game because of his COVID-19 positive test. You know, yeah. maybe uh, Gagliardini, who again, I don't, I don't rate him, but Conte does rate him. That Gagliardini is a guy that Conte plays over Christian Eriksen if he has to miss some time again due to his COVID test. You know what? Um, that, I want I, I, I think I know why Eriksen doesn't get more playing time than Gagliardini. One, because his work ethic, mm-hmm. and then Conte likes people who work hard. And I've had people call call me out. I'll be like, well, why didn't such and such start for Lazio? And I think it's the fact that Conte sees Gagliardini trying very hard in training sessions. He does what he's asked of, doesn't bitch, and and he comes with an attitude that he's ready to work no matter what. He's on the sideline waiting for his opportunity. And you got Erickson, I think, that is really moping, has a poor attitude, and his work ethic I don't think is at the same level where Gagliardini is. Now, Erickson's skill level is over here, mm-hmm. and then you got Gagliardini's skill level over here, but what's oversight? What's overriding the skill level is the other components, and I think that's what's flushing Erickson out. And if he can just like just go to practice, do what he's asked of, and and just keep his mouth shut, I think that he'll get more playing time and he'll get the respect that he that he wants from his manager. 
I see Christian Erickson, and I'd love to see him prove me wrong over the next month and a half, because if he doesn't, then the January transfer window, there's a good chance he's going to be on the way out. I think he's mentally soft and weak because mm-hmm. he clearly um, has reached a point where he and Conte are like oil and water. Like they, they don't they don't get along because he's probably upset that he's not getting more chances which I, I can understand to an extent. I mean, you're you're a guy who's been world-class. I don't think he's currently world-class, but he's been world-class in the past. You're upset when you don't play. I can understand him being upset, but instead of maximizing his chances when he's on the pitch, the body language is really poor. Um, his intensity level is really poor. I mean, Erickson is the guy who's supposed to be world-class, right? Because we know that from his reputation. But if you take someone who doesn't really pay attention to football and you tell them to watch an intermatch when Erickson and Barella are on the pitch at the same time and you ask them which of those guys looks world-class, they're going to say Barella. I mean, Barella is a warrior. Like, that guy is always playing his ass off, going into tackles hard, running, covering every blade of grass, whereas Christian Erickson, I'm not denying the guy has all the talent in the world and he's creative. Like, he can open things up in the final third. That's one of the things that makes him so coveted. He can really open things up. But what drives me crazy about that guy is he always plays like his team has the 2-0 lead, right? Like he's always playing like his team is up 2-0, whereas, and, and unfortunately that's not been the case for Inter this year. They're usually playing from behind or they're playing with a draw. And when Erickson is on the pitch, uh, instead of him having the intensity to win balls back, to really run, to play aggressive, you know, the guy just looks like he's trying to play champagne football out there. He doesn't have the intensity that a Barella has or even that a Gagliardini has. And again, Gagliardini, he's, he's not a talented player compared to a Christian Eriksen, but the guy does play with some intensity out there. So I, I can understand why Eriksen drives Conte crazy. And uh, and I'm starting to sound like a Spurs fan because this is what you know Spurs fans were telling me about Eriksen, you know, uh, less than a year ago when they were talking about acquiring him. But I, I can totally see... What they were saying, I think this might be a guy that could benefit from a change of scenery, that could benefit. And so, you know, for as much as I regret the fact that it's not really working out for him at Inter, uh, whether you blame that on Conte or you blame it on Ericsson or you blame it on just Serie A not being the right fit for him, uh, if it's not working out, it's not working out. And if they can get, you know, and they paid $20 million for him last January, I don't know what the market's going to be like this January because it's hard to predict that with the economic effects still of COVID-19. But if they can get 45, 50 mil for him, 40, 45, 50 mil, um, and, and you would have the chance to maybe bring in a midfielder who fits a little bit better with what Conte is trying to do, it might be for the best. And I know people are going to say, oh, you shouldn't want that because, oh, Conte is only going to be around for another six months that I don't want to sell this guy just because of Conte. Um, I, I, I think there's an issue, uh, with Erickson and, uh, and, and he can prove me wrong over the next month and a half. And I hope he does, but if he doesn't come January, I might be rooting for him to get sold, Jerry. No, absolutely. And there's one other thing I wanted to point out that was called out on this article. And the guy was saying that Inter's down and out, they're out of the champions league and they're far behind it in the, uh, table. Um, far as I know, with the for the Scudetto, this is a, anybody's race this year, and it's gonna go right yeah. down to the wire. So anybody who says that they're out 
once I hear people saying that Inter is out, why did they spend all that money, the debt? No. And this is not a normal season, guys. This is a season that's going to have more obstacles than you'll ever see in your life. Even for teams that don't have to deal with Champions League or Europa League, they still have obstacles because they still have to do their hurdle of COVID. They need to make sure that they avoid injuries, all this stuff. It's not a normal season. And for Champions League, I would be the first to say that I told Forza Napoli, Joe Fischetti, that they were out, Inter. And then I didn't even know that they were, well, I believe, three points out of first. They're three points They're three points back of first. Yeah, first yeah. In last place, yeah. except by three points. So anybody who thinks that Inter's out of, of Champions League, think again, okay? Because, yeah, three points. Munching got back to Inter. All you can do, all you can say right now is, all of a sudden, Inter wins. They go up to first. Mönchengladbach and Doncic tie, say. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, the table turns. It takes one bad week and one good week. So that 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 is the group of death. I think this is a group of death of Champions League where someone's in a really... Can you imagine Real Madrid going down to Europa League? That'd be crazy. <laughs> that would be wild. Last time they even went down to, to yeah. Europa League. That's crazy, but... I still think that Inter should finish top two. Again, every season changes every week. Injury, we're looking at we, you got thing got hurt. Um, who got uh, Alexis Sanchez got hurt for Inter. You got Gagliardini now who has COVID. Was it Gagliardini and you got Brozovic? Like the Gagliardini thing is weird because um, he just had COVID a month ago. So I don't know what this inconclusive test is about. Like they, they sent him home from the national team because he has an inconclusive test, which I, I, what I understand that to mean is that he tested positive, but they're waiting to confirm it. That's why they call it inconclusive. I mean, I, I know that like they think it's, it's possible that someone can get COVID twice, um, but like to get it twice within a month seems a little bit surprising to me. So I, I don't know what's that might have been a false positive. I don't think the Brozovic thing, I don't think is a false positive, but the Gallardini thing maybe. But I want to pick up on, on what you were saying from that comment. Well, first of all, the comment to that tweet, I remember that. That, that was from a guy who is, you know, um, a Sandro Tonali fan hiding behind an avatar. I don't know who he is. So who, who knows, man? It was a little bit of a trolling comment. Uh, now, you're, you're more optimistic about the Champions League thing than me. I'm I'm not expecting Inter to qualify for the knockout stages. Um, it, but you're right. You give me a little bit of hope when you say that they're only three points out of first place, uh, but they're 50 percent through the group stage because they have three match days played and they haven't picked up a win yet. So I'm a little bit pessimistic there. But the Serie A thing for him to say that, you know, that they're down and out in, in Serie A, like, bro, seven match days played. They're not even 20 percent through the season yet. OK, it can it can get worse, but it can also get a lot better. So, yeah, that, that was a Milan fan who left you that comment who's probably thinking, oh, we're in first place, so we're going to win a Scudetto. Like, bro, I mean, seven match days in, uh, I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm a lot more worried about the Champions League thing because I don't think Inter is going to qualify for the round of 16. I'm a lot more worried about that than I am about the Campionato right now. I want to add one thing. Yeah. Pioli was tested positive for COVID today. Yeah, Padre Pioli tested positive. I, I hope, you know, and, and, I, and in all seriousness, um, you know, he's he, he's a little bit, uh, you know, on the older side. He's not, you know, 25-year-old athlete, so he's relatively higher risk. So I hope and, – and, and the report said he's symptom-free. So I hope he stays symptom-free, and I wish him the best of health and recovery. I'm just saying now, I guess, just think on the other side now. Let's just say that 
who knows what happens if there's an outbreak at Milan now, as what has been happening with Inter, Lazio, um, Genoa. Yeah, I, Napoli. I'm curious, I'm curious to see how this team now takes and approaches the pitch. And if they're out with six guys, how they are able to really deal with these circumstances. It, and I don't, not go what, I don't want that to happen to them. I'm just thinking, just hypothetically, if, if it were to happen, will they make excuses? Will they not make excuses? Like, I, I, I'm just curious to see how this plays out. Um, I think their season has overall, I was never a believer in Milan from the beginning of the season. I, I think they, they've, shown to be a better team this year um absolutely i i won't take that away from them i just think that losing to um leo is i think that can be a either make or break for their season to see how they respond i thought they they, they responded well against verona being down two goals coming back but that regardless of their attitude to not lose they should have won against a side like verona and i know that they They've they've proven to be a difficult opponent, but a lot of players that they had from last year left and were gone. And I'm just curious to see how this moves forward and how they really respond if they are to have like any outbreaks. But I know they they had a few injuries. Romagnoli again got hurt. Um, and I'm not sure who else if there's anybody. I think there are maybe another one or two players. But this is this is what we're going to be dealing with international break. I fuck you international break. I think it's a waste. This <laughs> nation's league cup is a fucking joke. Um, and I, and I say that for all teams, not just for Lazio. I, I say that for all teams who lose players, I do feel bad. I don't care if it's Juventus. I don't care if it's Milan. I don't care if it's Inter. Because mm-hmm. when I have to see a guy like, I don't know who, who goes to, uh, who goes to international league and, and gets hurt for for Lazio? Um, Lazzari, Lazzari, sorry, comes back after the the first international break, and we're we're forced to like not even have our wing back against Sampdoria. We have to put Parolo as a wing back, which I thought it was stupid, but anyways, that's a whole different conversation. But I just overall, it's it's just unfortunate. Look at Napoli; they lost Osimhen, separated shoulder. Yeah, I'm gonna get like, to that too. Yeah. But we can keep on going with this, but you, you get where I'm getting from. And, and I think that with the amount of playing and what teams are going through and the whole COVID case, I just think that international play is, or if anything, condense it. Do you have to play three matches? Play one or two. Like, don't do not do three matches. Do one if you have to do international. Like, do you have to do international friendlies? Like, what's the yeah. whole these friendlies you're not getting anything any out of it i just think it's irrelevant games so and i'm just happy that i i know that immobile got tested twice negative but this engine and i don't know the whole engine and all this i'm not a doctor i don't understand the whole process i'm just happy immobile is not going because take the rest play your playstation 5 you just bought enjoy it god i want one of those it's gonna be a while i think before i get one of those Apparently it sold out like in five minutes yesterday. I heard when I was at my store, yeah. someone yeah. told me, I was like, well, that's crazy insane. But anyways, just, just to have them back for, for their first game against Crotone would be nice to see. Well, let's get to some Twitter questions from our listeners. Our guy Dieter, uh, he, he has a, a few questions. So let's, let, let, let's tackle a couple of these in order. Uh, he asked first, are Napoli title contenders? Let me give you my answer, Jerry. 
I'm going to say, yeah, they are title contenders. And it's not because I think Napoli has such a super impressive squad this year. But I'm going to say that they're title contenders just because you look at the top teams in Serie A and you can find plenty of reasons why all of these teams are not title contenders. So it's wide open. Like, it's wide open to me. I mean, I like Napoli's squad. I think Gattuso's doing a tremendous job. You mentioned Osimen, who's been great this year. Unfortunately, right now, he is injured. He's going to, I think it's going to be about probably three weeks he misses with a separated shoulder. So he is going to miss some games for Napoli. So that that may put them behind the eight ball a little bit. I mean, they're currently third in the standings. And that includes a, you know, a 3-0 disqualification loss and an extra point deducted. And they're still in third place. So they, they've been they've been competing well so far this season because you look at all these teams, you can make a reason why someone's not a title contender, right? I mean, Milan, currently top of the table, but Milan is a very young squad. And I think they're very dependent, maybe overly dependent on a 39-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So there's going to be a regression to the mean with them. Uh, I think Milan is going to contend for a Champions League spot. I have a hard time seeing them consistently staying atop the table just because I think with their project, uh, if they were to compete for Scudetto this year, that would be a year or two ahead of schedule. I'm just not expecting it. I know that they're off to a great start seven match days in. I just don't think it's going to last for them because they are so young. They don't have the quality experience depth and they depend so much on a 39 year old to save their asses game in and game out. I just don't think that's sustainable. I mean, Sassuolo is currently second in the table. They have some really nice pieces and I think their coach does uh, so far, probably coach of the year in Serie A. I give him a ton of credit, but they just don't have the horses to contend for Scudetto. Like they're going to be contending for a Europa league spot by the end of it. Okay. Um, I, I, I do see some positive signs from Roma, uh, who are currently in fourth place. So I think they're going to be in that mix competing for Champions League. But again, with them, I'm not expecting Scudetto. Juventus at number five. There's a lot of question marks there with Juve, okay? We're still finding Pirlo's identity. Um, you know, Paolo Dybala is having a really rough go there under Pirlo. Um, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo has really been carrying them, although Kulusevski and uh, and Weston McKinney have also been really good. Juventus is clearly not the same Juventus. Like for the last nine years, you know, you can say, oh, these are clear Scudetto favorites. They've won nine straight Scudetti. This is a Juventus in transition right now, okay? So maybe Pirlo will really figure it out and Ronaldo's going to keep playing out of his mind. Uh, you know, th- there's also rumblings that maybe Ronaldo could be sold. I want to get to some of those rumors in a little bit, but you know, there are plenty of reasons why Juventus is not going to cruise to a Scudetto this year like they usually do. Atalanta doesn't look like the same team that they've been for the last couple of years. Inter has all the issues that we've talked about. You know, Lazio um, probably punched a little bit above their weight last year, and they're off to a tough start. But again, only seven match days in. But there are, you know, plenty of reasons why you wouldn't have Lazio as a Scudetto favorite. So yeah, Jerry, that's a really long-winded way to ask to answer the question, but... To Dieter's question about Napoli being a Scudetto contender, absolutely. They have a really talented team. They're well-coached, and it's wide open this year. Every game I picked, you can ask Rob Pozzola, I was wrong. So I changed it to Juventus first because I'm the biggest motion. And, and I was like, you know what? I'll put Juventus first because I think that will put some bad luck. Do I think Napoli can come first? Absolutely. I yeah. Think, yeah. I think they have the depth. Um, 
I liked how Ossiman provides that very the speed, his ability to like really on the counterattacks, and you you can you can bring on um oh, who's there, the guy who they got from Patanya. You can yeah, bring Patanya yeah. on, and like Patanya provides something different compared to Ossiman, where he's physical, he can he's more clinical, he can hold up the play. So you got two different types of strikers. You got Dries Mertens. In, in another option you can use. Uh, Insigne has, has shown when he's healthy to be that, that role model, that leader. I think their back, their back line, Koulibaly, Koulibaly had a bad season last year, not, not tip hard, but he's off to a great year and he's leading that back line. I think keeping Koulibaly has been probably the best decision they did. And his stock value is up by, I saw a report today that they want no less than 70 million. They don't, they should say no less than 90 million because this guy's like the stock market where it crashed in the summer and then <laughs> went back up now. So yeah. I wouldn't sell that guy for less than 90. And you got Costas Manolis, who's starting to show good chemistry with Koulibaly in the back. Giovanni De Lorenzo, what a, what an acquisition that's been. Oh, he's probably been one of the cheapest and most reliable defenders back there. I love the way he's been playing. And uh, you got Mary Rui, when he's healthy. Uh, on his good days, he's very good. And they have two good goalkeepers and a, and a great midfield as well. I just think they have a lot of pieces that complement each other. Uh, Fabian Ruiz, uh, whose size well, she's starting to come around, showing really good uh, form. Uh, I just think there's a lot of pieces here that they have the depth, they have the, the starting quality. I know that the season has been a little... In, pre- in recent weeks, their, their ability to not... Finish at times has hurt them against the Swallow. But I think that's just one game. A game against like Bologna where they only won one nothing, And I know that Bologna came on hard in the last 15 minutes. But to be able to hold games like that shows a different side to Napoli where they're not always reliant on scoring three goals and that they can close it off winning one nothing, and, and can be very defensive and, and very alert and, and sounded everything like just an overall picture where they don't have to rely on just scoring all the time. So I think Gattuso's really got them playing. And then I think the best player actually this season for, for Napoli, aside from Koulibaly, we know what he can provide mm-hmm. is Lozano. I think yeah. Lozano yeah. is the really good. Yeah. I think that Lozano has really played. I think what he's played on the right side. He's been playing on the right side and, and he's been a great First year, they wanted to get rid of him and his speed, his ability to read the game now. His maturity level has really increased. And credit to Gattuso, just getting the best out of Lozano. And we saw what he was able to do on Mon- on Sunday when he sent a beautiful cross to uh, Ossiman and he scored. So as much as Ossiman starting to find his groove and Koulibaly has been really good in the back and we know what Bertens and Insigne really deli- provide, I think the key has been Lozano. And Lozano came was a record-breaker deal last year, and touche to him. And you're right. I, I can talk about the rest of the teams. I'll, I'll just make it quick. Juventus, work in transition. It's going to be a, an up-and-down year. Um, they are the team to beat still. You don't count Juventus out. I think that their front line of Morata, uh, you got Dybala and Ronaldo. Can those three work, play together? In, in the lineup, and, and I think that's a difficult and something really hard because if you put all three, that kind of like takes Kulovesky, Kulovesky or Kiesa out. And, and again, I'm not an expert, but 
the way it would it would work out would would really there's a lot of variables. What happens to Artur? Rabio has really been good this year. I'll give him that. He's really transitioned really well, and that that's been one of the best deals that Juventus has made that from last summer. So, mm-hmm. and then you got Roma. Is Roma just on a on a hot streak right now? Where they just coming off a good start to the year? Do they tail off? I don't think they have a lot of depth to help them foresee the, the long future here. And I think Inter is going to turn things around. I really do believe that. And I and I said from the beginning, in the beginning of the season, I had Atalanta fifth, I had Lazio fourth. I'll stick by that. I still think that Atalanta is not as good as people think they are. Their depth is not great. Um, you're seeing that they're not the same high-tempo team that they were last year. Guys, I know that you score four, don't worry, Atalanta will score five. You can only do that for so long. Yeah. You, you can only depend on scoring for as long as it goes. Look at Bologna. 40 straight games without having a clean sheet. And it's hurt them to win games. You need to learn how to keep the ball out of your own end or else forget it. The wins will start to dry up. And that's what's happening with Atalanta because they don't know how to play defense. Defense, and, and I know Christian Romero had a good game against Inter. I still think he's shit. I don't like him. I think he's a reckless player. He's very dangerous. And their whole back line is horrendous so it's going to be a long season for atalanta and that's speaking all of, speaking of reckless players dude I'm, i was watching arturo vidal last night with chile against peru why the fuck can't i get that version of arturo vidal at inter i mean all, all, all he does uh I, I i think it was uh inter jesse who said on twitter that arturo vidal at inter is like basically a, a washed up mma fighter just like trying to crack people's skulls but Arturo Vidal at Chile is scoring these screamers from like 20 yards outside the box and putting in these great performances. I want to get that version of Vidal. But before I move on to to another uh, Twitter question, I like what you said about Gattuso with Chucky Lozano. Um, that really, to me, goes to show you another reason why Gattuso is such an excellent coach. Right. And there are many ways you can judge a coach. You can judge them by tactics, formation, but also mentorship and patience, because I'll give you an example. If Lozano had, let's say he played for Inter and was under Conte last year and struggled the way that he did with Inter, like he did with Napoli, Conte probably would have just put the guy in his doghouse, begged management. We got to sell this guy. We got to loan this guy out. Just get him off my team. He can't fit in my formation. Whereas Lozano, like clearly he needed time to adjust to Serie A coming out of uh, the Dutch league. You know, there's such an adjustment when it comes to the tactics of Serie A. Just some players don't get it right away. And he he wasn't practicing well. Like Gattuso at one point had had like removed him from practice because he just didn't have the work ethic. But instead of giving up on the guy worked with him. You also have to credit Lozano for picking up the work ethic and figuring out, I need to work a different way if I'm going to fit at Napoli and Serie A. And now a season later, he's been fantastic, right? So I I think a lot of credit not only goes to Lozano, but goes to Gattuso for pressing his buttons the right way and not just giving up on the guy and telling management, get him the fuck off my team. Like, I think that the patience there was really, really cool. Let me get, uh, let me get one more of Dieter's questions. And then we'll move on to a couple of other guys, because I know, Jerry, you'll probably enjoy this one. He asks, would Simone Inzaghi be a good option to coach the Azzurri in the future? I'll tell you one thing, and obviously I'm not replacing Mancini right now, because I, I think he's doing fine. And I don't think that's what, like, Dieter is not saying replace 
replace Mancini. That's not what he's saying. But like in the future with Inzaghi, I'll tell you a couple of things. Not only is Inzaghi an excellent coach, but if that were to happen like a couple of years from now when Chido Immobile is still playing, wouldn't an Inzaghi coach Azzurri with a formation to fit Immobile? Because Immobile yeah. does not fit. He doesn't fit the Azzurri's current formation. But if Inzaghi was coaching the Azzurri, then we'd get the best version of Chido. You're right, man. You're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that. And I think that's one. And I think that Inzaghi would be more flexible with his formation. I think that with the with the amount of talent that he has provided to him and and the quality, it would allow him to be more adaptable, more flexible, and he would be more versatile as a manager. So that that's something I think that Inzaghi would strive on. He wouldn't just stick to the three five two. He he would try different options to see what would work best but yeah he would if if immobile was still there and he was manager i think that he would try to get the best out of immobile and not use a 4-3-3 i absolutely agree with you and i think he can strive as an as the azuri manager but i think that's a long way to go i think that he still has a lot he wants to i think that coaching for the Azuri is for managers who have achieved so much in their in their like league play in non-international play where they feel that the next step in their career now is to coach a team like Italy right or or it's it's they they just feel that they can't get the right opportunity to to coach a, a team that they want to and they say you know what now is the time I have the opportunity I'll coach for Italy and Inzaghi right now is not in any of those uh, dilemmas, I think that I think in the in the stage he is in his life, I think that he has the opportunity to, to coach for a bigger team. But as you saw on Sunday when Caicedo scored, I think that at the end of the day, his heart is with Lazio. You can just see the way he celebrates when when Lazio scored those winning goals, where he has no desire to leave anywhere. And just to stay with Lazio, he he doesn't know any, he doesn't know any better right now, and yeah. the only way he he would leave Lazio is if he ever got fired, which I don't think Latito would do. I think in respect to Inzaghi's legacy of what he's done with Lazio and his whole career and what he's achieved, I think in, when the day comes where he's no longer with Lazio, Latito will give him the respect of saying, "Okay, we're gonna part ways, but we're gonna do a mutual agreement where." We'll let you go, but we're not firing you. I think that's what it will come down to. And Latito really respects Inzaghi as a manager and as an, an individual. So as much as Latito has been a piece of shit lately, I'll be honest. But uh, I think that he pushed the shove and, and all his dumb comments. I think that he, as, as an individual, he, he does respect Inzaghi and, and thinks of him highly. So... We'll see what happens, but he would do a good job with with uh, Italy. Uh, this is a segue to the next Twitter question. One of the funniest things I've seen this week was in a Serie A group chat that we have, Jerry, with our buddy uh, Joe Fischetti from the Forza Napoli pod. When you sent us the picture of Tito sitting in the cockpit of the new Lazio team plane, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it was so, like, that is that the original airplane? Like, I think that might be the airplane from the movie Airplane in the 1970s. Like, it's <laughs> that headrest that looks 50 years old. 
I, I think the instruments like in the cockpit are not even digital. It's like manual hand. It's like a World War II plane, like manual hand cranks in there. I thought that was so funny. Like when you sent me that picture, and and that's a segue into latest uh, Lazio gossip. Okay, something that unfolded over social media over the last couple of days. Joe Fischetti from the Sports Anopoly Pod asked us thoughts on Claudio Lotito buying a team plane instead of paying Luis Alberto. So Lazio were one of the clubs that, you know, during COVID-19, uh, the, the first wave of the pandemic, Juventus did something similar where they instituted play, uh, pay cuts for players and staff just to kind of help them stay afloat during all the revenue losses of the pandemic. And maybe you can explain it, Jerry, because you would know better than me. I don't know if when Lazio made their pay cuts, if it was just a straight-up pay cut or if there was a promise, we're going to pay this money back to you later. I don't know which was the case, but when it was announced that Lazio bought this team plane, Luis Alberto, Luis was really pissed that, hey, like, why are you guys buying a plane when you should be paying back the players? So, And, and, and then awkwardness ensued. As I predicted the way in our chat, Alberto did end up apologizing, but... Can you explain a little bit better, Jerry, what happened with those pay cuts? Like, was that promise to be paid back? So I don't, I don't know about the whole pay. I, I think that the the April and May salaries were deferred, and that they were going to pay them back. I believe it in December. Now, don't quote me about that, but I, I do know that there was an agreement between ownership and players that they wouldn't get paid for two months and deferred their payments for a later date that they can pay them. Now, in recordings to this plane, I think a lot of people are t- taking this out of context. The first thing is, how did this plane even arrive to Lazio? So there's two things I've heard. And, and Lazio Land is like my go-to Lazio news. And they don't make up news. They just report what other sites report. And it right. saves me a lot of time, personally. So two options. It either came out of their out of Latito's own pocket. The tight pockets? Yeah, exactly. So apparently the two options as he either he paid for it out of his own pocket, it was reported yesterday. And then today I read that the plane was supplied in a partnership with Tire and Jet. Tire and Jet. Now, if it either had came out of his own pocket or it was supplied by somebody, I think that really defeats the purpose of what he's trying to kind of like argue about. Where why, why why are we spending money on a plane? Well, it's not coming out of the club's expenses. It's not being issued by the club. The club's not really right. buying it. It's being given to them. Now being given to them by the Wright brothers, because I'm pretty sure that was the original goddamn airplane. And this plane was was in purchase, I was told by Stephen Moore a while back. This was already in the works of getting a plane. Now I I, I do get Luis Alberto's sentiment that if, if this if this plane is being purchased by Lazio's account and it's money being poured out from from actual Lazio and not out of his pockets or not being supplied by a party, I get where he's coming from. But at the end of the day, as an as a player, I, I I know it's frustrating not being paid, and 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 I agree with him. If I was if I was him, I'd probably be frustrated too. But at the same time. You're not making thirteen dollars an hour. You're making you're you're making two hundred thousand a week. I'm pretty sure you're not going to go poor if you deferred one of your months' pay till December, where staff inside the office who don't make even nearly as what you're making 
able to be paid. And 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 I'm sure like look, look, he he goes, he rants, and then today he apologizes. What the fuck was the whole point of that then? What's right. the what's the point? You you did you didn't really benefit you not you didn't benefit from what you're trying to achieved by ranting yesterday and he's done this many times where it was emotional he's just an emotional guy like I, even and i'm not a very emotional guy like you know me jerry i'm very even keel there are some times though where i'm upset about something going on with work and i'm like tempted i'm like man i want to complain about this i want to tweet about it but you know you, you take a deep breath you count to 10 and then i'm like there's no good into this right and, mm-hmm. and that's coming from me and i'm not a very emotional guy so somebody like Luis Alberto, who's clearly a shoot from the hip kind of guy compared to me, I can understand how you're really pissed off. And in that moment, I'm I'm gonna. What, what was even the platform? Was it a, a tweet? Was it an Instagram? I don't I don't even know how it was that he complained. But whatever, you just you 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 just you you react and then you you regret it later. But he just reacted, made a stupid decision. Yeah, he did Instagram first, and he went to Twitch, and then today he On did a Twitch. Live. Yeah, I did, he did a live feed today where he apologized. And the funniest thing was that Sergey Malinkovic Savage <laughs> message at the bottom. He gave him four middle fingers, which was like amazing. But you can still, <laughs> and, and I don't think this is really going to hurt the club or disappoint fans. I think you're right. I am I disappointed with Luis Alberto? Absolutely not. Um, he, he's very outspoken. He's very emotional, like you said, and he's got every right to to argue the best option would have been to discuss with management behind closed doors what is frustrating you. And I would say a person who I would expect this more from is Immobile. And mm. and believe it or not, I haven't seen that from Immobile. And you can see the maturity that's, that's kind of like growing on him and becoming more of a role model, an adult, where Luis Alberto needs – that's the, the one side where you know his maturity can get in the way. He, he – he speaks before he thinks, and even even if if Latito is wrong and and he did wrongdoing here, and and, and I I respect Luis over speaking up, absolutely do. But I think there's better avenues, better channels to to kind of like try to tackle this issue, especially with what Latch is going through right now. Um, I think this will only make him stronger. He'll learn from this mistake, and I think he'll only grow as an individual and as a player. And I think his players will rally around him and respect what he has said. I, um, I don't know how Lotito will take it, but um, it, it only time will tell. But overall, it, it's it's an issue that could have been avoided. It happened. Things happen. Um, I just hope that in the case of Lotito, that he didn't spend money. That could have been used for the player. Right. Then I agree. And I doubt he did. He's not that stupid. Um, yeah, he is, but I, I agree. <laughs> Fair enough. I think, I think in that aspect, I, I think that he knows that he has to pay his players. And yeah. And it, it, it was a gift to the players. And I know that they would rather want their money then. But again, it's not being paid $16 an hour hoping that you get your check. Right. And I think a plane is probably sufficient and with COVID and everything, it's going to save him a lot of money. I can keep going about this, but overall, it's an issue that could have been avoided. It happened. You move on. You hope that it makes your team stronger now. Well, I want to go over uh, one more Twitter question, and then there's a couple more I think we can save for our next episode. But 
Gillis wants to know, and I'm sure Gary has an answer for this. He wanted to know from you. I've also got an answer from my side as well. But he wants to know if you have like any weird pregame rituals before a Lazio game. And I, I know you're, you already talked about being the mush and all that. So I know you're a superstitious guy. Do you have any rituals during, before, or after Lazio games, Jerry? So the one thing I started avoiding to do now is putting my predictions of who is going to win the Lazio game before yeah. a game. So last year, I would always say Lazio, I feel a big way coming. I, I avoid. I avoid any kind of tweet that will give my prediction of what I feel in the game. And when we do like the Lazio um, match previews, I, when I write them for the Laziale, I don't give my honest pick. I, I kind of always choose against Lazio because I don't like picking my team. Um, I, I always tell Stephen Moore, who runs the site, you put the pick, the pick is on you, because I, I just don't want to mush them. Um, I always always have a Lazio mug before each game. If you can wow. see right every it, you, I only have an immobile or an insert game on Link of a Savage. But... Um, I always have to have a Latu mug ready to go. Um, Where do you get those, by the way? Because I know we're going to get a question from one of our viewers on YouTube. Do you get those like from the team store, Amazon? Where do you get those mugs at? I bought. I found two of them on. I found on Latu style site, the actual Latu style site, and uh, you. They have two different mm -hmm. mugs, and I custom made it in mobile and sure game a link of a savage. I wish I can. I I want to get more, but how many cups can I drink out of? I don't want to collect 20 freaking <laughs> cups, man. I got a Chelsea cup. I got an Edmonton Oilers cup, and that's it. That's good enough for me, man. I don't need no more. But um, And then for jerseys, um, it, I, when I, it depends. If the, if the game's at 6.30 in the morning, freak, I'm still in my pajamas watching the game. I, I have no yeah, same I have here. Uh, don't, don't wake me up at 6.30. Actually, you know what? Last, last Sunday... I woke up at 5.30, showered everything, and I had my, my gear ready to go, believe it or not. Yeah. So it depends <laughs> how I feel. But for the most part, I like to wear hoodies. I, I find that hoodies – or I just go with the feel of maybe like what jersey to go with or I just have a hunch. But for the most part, I always have to have my Latu mug. I have to have my coffee, my Latu mug, and I, and I kind of like choose between which player who I feel with. And then – and I do the sign of the cross. There's a sign of the cross where I do, before every game where – I hope that something gets uh, answered. That's about it. Yeah, I'm I'm very superstitious. Um, I come from a superstitious family, okay? I used to watch most games with my father, um, but my father has decided that he's a mush, okay? So I don't watch games with my dad anymore because he, ha he has come to the realization that they don't if he's watching a game live so you know and and we watch games uh, in the u.s most of the games are on esp plus so they're available on demand like you pull it up anytime after the game to watch it um and so my father now doesn't watch the matches live and if he finds out that they won the game like he'll go back and watch until later on the espn plus if they lose the game he's just fuck it i'm not gonna watch it but but he he's decided that watching live he's the most he doesn't watch it live anymore so i've i've lost the person i used to watch most of the games with uh for me personally my rituals constantly change right because things stop working you switch it up i used to uh, years ago i would always watch games in an icardi jersey 
that's of course not an option that that wouldn't matter anymore he's not on the team uh and so the, the jersey thing is not a big part of my ritual anymore i do have like 15 inter jerseys so i wear them every now and then but something i've i've come to the realization of this year is my one of my new superstitions yeah you know, i'm a pretty active sports gambler but I realize I can't bet on Inter games anymore because I give them bad luck, right? And I don't want to bet against them because I just I don't want to have that sort of emotional roller coaster. But I can't bet on them anymore because they will not win the game or they will not cover the spread or whatever. So I had to stop betting on them. I even tried, Jerry, a couple weeks ago when they faced Real Madrid in Champions League. I thought I could get around it by betting on the... Um, both teams to score a goal, which is not betting for or against my team. It's just both teams scoring. And I won the bet, but they lost the game. So I realized me taking part in that, I, I jinxed Inter. Like, both teams scored, so I won the bet, which was, you know, both teams to score at plus 130, whatever the odds were. So, so yeah, so now I anytime, like, I'll, I'll bet on some Serie A games, but I, I stay away from Inter. I can't put them in parlays. I can't bet them straight up because I'm terrible luck. Uh, those are the main ones that I've got. I also like you, I hate making predictions, you know, and, and we do a lot, we've made predictions before here on this show and on other shows, but I hate making predictions because I'm kind of the opposite from you. You don't like to pick Lazio cause you think you're going to mush Lazio. I don't like to officially pick against Inter cause then I feel like I'm going to speak it into existence. So, but so making predictions, sometimes I'll predict draws, sometimes I'll predict wins. I rarely ever predict the loss, but the whole prediction thing, it makes me feel really, really uncomfortable. So, so those are the main superstitions I'm working with this season. My father can't watch games because he's bad luck. I can't bet on inter games because I'm going to bring them terrible, terrible luck. And, and that's pretty much it. So yeah, so Jerry, let's just take a quick look, and we're probably going to hopefully have another episode before the next match day in Serie A. But next Saturday, we've got Lazio at Crotone, 9 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday, Atalanta at Spezia at noon, and Juventus hosting Cagliari at 2.45. Those are the three Saturday games. Sunday, you've got Inter hosting Torino. And I know earlier in the episode I said that I'm being patient with Conte. If Inter don't beat winless Torino at home next Sunday, I'm going to be a lot less optimistic than I am right now. Just put that out there. If Inter draw or lose this game, I'm going to be really upset. Uh, Fiorentina hosts Benevento. Roma hosting Parma. Hellas Verona. uh, They're coming off a nice result against Milan. They're hosting Sassuolo. That's going to be a really interesting game. Sampdoria hosting Bologna, Genoa playing at Udinese, and then would you agree this is probably the game of the weekend? Milan at Napoli is the the, the late game on Sunday night. That's the Serie A featured game of the week. Yeah, I just think of the schedule. There's a Monday they have a twelve thirty game. I don't oh, remember. Right, I forgot about Monday. Oh. No, there's no there's no Monday. Oh, there's no Monday. The week oh, after, okay, okay. The week after, I was just looking at. It, sorry, and I saw two Monday games. One at twelve thirty, one at two forty-five. I wonder right. if that's something that I, I just think I want to touch upon something before we go, or two things actually. Um, first off, okay, I look at the schedule. There is one, two, three, four, four nine o'clock games on a, on a Sunday morning. Like, would you not want to balance the schedule out and maybe put one of those games, I don't know, on a Monday, say, or on a Friday, where you can like try to balance 
the schedule you'll get more viewers i mean i'm not sure um i, I would assume there's probably champions league and europa league that week so the the monday thing is tricky you can only put teams on monday who don't play in europe okay so sandoria bologna hell is verona sassuolo yeah you can't put that on a friday True. or monday it just True. blows my mind i just think that the yeah. schedule can be a little bit better like I, I don't, I, I don't know. They, they have their thought process about it. I just think a Monday game would have been nice. It, it balances out. It gets people watching on Monday. Um, and and to touch on Dieter's last, well, he had a question about who I think, who we think is going to be relegated. I'll give him three quick Ooh. picks without having to say yeah. words like I normally do. I had Undinese, Crotone, and Spezia in the bottom three. I'm going to change one. If I had to change one right now, I would go with Parma. I'll go with Parma and switch it with Spezia. That's what I would do. I think Spezia, after playing against Benevento, and even before that, I think that they have been the most surprising team of the mm-hmm. three teams that have been promoted from Serie B to Serie A, and they really they don't have like that star power game. But I don't know who exactly who their manager is, but he's done a really good job at just putting the fundamentals in, and, and they're just playing a good of a simple game where they've been really difficult to beat and they're not trying to create more than they can. They're just playing within their confinements. And I thought they, they played really good against Benevento and Benevento was supposed to be the team that was supposed to be the best one. And they've looked like they've been struggling lately, really poor form. Uh, and I just think that maybe Spezia is not getting the credit right now of what they've done in their early season. And Parma has just, they look dreadful. They, I don't know what's wrong with them. They're just missing they a lot of stuff. Point against Inter. Yeah, uh, I don't know how they got a point against Inter, but they just. I'll, I'll tell you how we cannot defend Gervinho. Gervinho, <laughs> every time he plays Inter, he's guaranteed to score at least once. Parma's dreadful. They, they just, they, they lack creativity in the midfield. Their back end shit. They got uh, really old defense, and they got Gervinho, who's just gonna rot up front. That's all. That was fun, man, and. There were a couple Twitter questions we didn't get to, so I want to get to those in our next episode because there are some good ones. We'll take more Twitter questions as well. You can get me at Alex Dono, Jerry at Jay Mancini 8 and, of course, send the Twitter questions to the show at CalchoConPod. That's at CalchoConPod on Twitter. And hopefully you guys are, are watching on YouTube as well. We're building the YouTube channel over the last couple of months, so we appreciate your support. Make sure you subscribe. And and by the way, so if you're listening to just the audio of this on the podcast, maybe you don't know we have a YouTube. Look for us on YouTube. Just type in Calcio Connection. It'll pop right up. Hit subscribe. Turn the alerts on so you can see, see when we have a new episode and tell your friends about it. Subscribe to the audio version of the pod anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon. We're all over the place. Podbean. So subscribe there, leave us a five-star rating, and we'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.